0: Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast, a weekly listen-in to the Sunday morning service of Bridge Church in Dayton, Ohio. I can remember when our oldest son, Spencer, was a baby. You know, we were trying to figure this whole parenting thing out. The internet at that time wasn't quite so robust, so we would read books and talk to our parents about things that we had no clue about, which was a lot. One of those things was bedtime you know we would put him to bed and everything seemed fine you know he'd been wound down and then he would let out a scream now at this time we were living in a small apartment and he had an amazing set of lungs on him for something so very small and and for angel her motherly instincts would like hardly be able to handle it she would want to jump up and get him and make sure that everything was all right now as you know if you've had kids spencer was fine so some of the advice that we were given was to let him cry it out and i can remember at one point actually sitting on top of angel because she wanted so badly to go and to check on him and make sure he was okay but eventually he just cried himself out and he went to sleep now if you've had kids you know there comes a point when you have to let your baby cry it out to let them cry themselves to sleep so that they can get used to going to bed and being alone and staying asleep and leaving you alone now does that make you a bad parent does that mean that you don't care does it make you apathetic or distant i'd actually argue that it makes you a really good parent now Any analogy breaks down at some point, and this one is going to break down as well. But I think this is a decent connection to what I want to introduce us to today in our new series. I want to look at what might be a very familiar story to many of you, especially if you grew up in the church. And I want to look at this because this is a person that Jesus knew and loved and yet He set him up for the stuff that many of us have or are experiencing in our lives right now. The things that happen to make us think, God, where are you? Do you really love me? Do you know my name? Do you care? I mean, give me a sign. Throw me a bone, right? I just need to know that you're present in the midst of these circumstances because Nothing seems to be getting any better, and there's really no hope of things getting any better in my life. The person I want to look at is John the Baptizer. Now, you may think of him as John the Baptist, but he wasn't a Baptist in the sense of like what we know. He was the guy who baptized, so that's how he got his nickname. So, really quickly, I want to tell you this story, and I want to try to illustrate the point here that we're trying to make. So one day, Jesus is teaching in Galilee, when a couple of guys walk up on him teaching, and they say, hey, Jesus, we have a question for you. We are John the Baptist's disciples, basically, you know, people that John taught and followed him and went on the mission with him, and John had sent them to Jesus to ask him this question, are you really Jesus? Are you really the Messiah? Are you really the one that we've all been waiting for John wants to know now if you heard this growing up in Sunday school or in a sermon maybe before you know why John didn't go and ask this for himself it's because he was in prison John is in prison because he took some shots at the rulers of the regions where he lived and preached at this time basically this king, this ruler, Herod Philip, he marries his niece, Herodias. You know, quite an ego that their, like, dad named everyone similarly. While Herod Philip then is away, Herodias, his niece, wife, has an affair with his brother, Herod Antipas, who's the ruler of another region, her other uncle. And by the time Herod Philip returns, she is now married to Herod Antipas. She left one uncle for the other uncle you know it's like hey uncle i mean honey i mean uncle, you know it's very confusing it's a little funny it's just important for what we're talking about so this is a huge scandal everyone knows about it in the region there's no news channels but news still traveled fast and this behavior was and is disturbing in any culture but especially jewish culture so john the baptist in part of his teaching about sin he kept using herodias and the herods As examples now Herod the one that she ended up with he kind of thinks this is funny and he doesn't really care but Herodias does not find it funny she gets her new husband uncle king ruler Herod to arrest John and to throw him in a dungeon but not just any dungeon she has him sent to the easternmost part of the kingdom to a dungeon in the desert So time goes by and he's just left there. John is just left there. And he begins to have what we have when when time goes by and nothing happens. John begins to doubt. The interesting thing is that Jesus loved John since before birth, really. Somehow, Jesus' mom and John's mom are related, which makes the two of these guys like some sort of cousins. And, And at one point in time, No one knew who Jesus was, but everyone knew who John the baptizer was. And and one day John is baptizing and he sees Jesus and he stops everything and he tells his crowd, you've been following me, but this is the guy that you should be following. You know, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. He is the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John announces Jesus' arrival and and Jesus expressed back to him like his love and admiration for John. Uh, look, look at what Jesus had to say about John. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. This is a huge statement. Don't run past this. Jesus says, John is the greatest man on earth. How would you like Jesus to say that about you? That's what Jesus thought of John. But now John in this moment after this time is not sure what he thinks about Jesus. And here's why. Because when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, you know, what comes next after this? If I was making this up, I would not put this in here, right? If if the Christian scripture is fictitious, and someone is just making it up to get us to like believe something, they would not have put this in here. This next part is only here because it's what happened. Matthew is about to tell us what happened as a reliable witness of the life of Jesus. Because if you're trying to get people to believe that Jesus was a great guy, you wouldn't write this next part. This is like way before the guys tracked Jesus down to ask the question that John had for Jesus, right? This is just Jesus finding out. This is when he first heard that John was in prison. So we think that Jesus would go, like, get up and go and visit John. Hey, I'm sorry, you're in jail. Maybe send a care package with a disciple or two. Maybe he would get all of his disciples together and go break him out of prison. I mean, think about it. How would you expect Jesus to act when he hears that his cousin, right? This guy who announced his arrival, The one, he said, is the greatest man on the planet. How would you expect Jesus to act in that moment? Well, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum. (laughs) Now, when we read this, it's just kind of an interesting fact. You don't look up where these places are and, and what's actually going on. But this is a big deal. Matthew shouldn't have told us this. Here's why. A map will make this a lot clearer, so bear with me. When John was arrested, they put him out here in Machaerus in the desert in a dungeon. When Jesus hears that this has happened, he's up here in Nazareth. Now, you would think he would have gone down to visit him in Machaerus or done something, you know, to make what happened to John at least a little bit better. This is an important guy to him. By Jesus' words, the greatest guy on the planet. But Matthew, who was there, tells us that Jesus withdrew and went to Capernaum. Jesus went in the opposite direction. This is how you feel. This is how I feel when we're in the desert and, you know, you're up north of the sea and at least visit Jesus. Send me a letter. Do something to let me know that you care, right? I mean, here's John in a dungeon in the desert. Jesus is in Capernaum, which at this time was like a beautiful fishing town, palm trees everywhere, beach right on the water. You know, and not only is John in the desert dungeon, he's been there for over a year at this point, probably close to a year and a half when he finally has had enough and he calls his disciples in and the only ones these are the only ones who are visiting him bringing him food caring for him in the dungeon they don't feed you like at this time you had to have friends feed you or you just starved to death so a year and a half later john's had enough he keeps hearing rumors about jesus and and john is wondering if jesus has forgotten all about him you know his cousin his buddy so John sends his guys to Jesus up in Capernaum. And these guys come and ask Jesus, are you really Jesus? Are you really the one? John's wondering. He's wondering if, if he should begin to look for another one. He, he's having his doubts. And we're not you know, going to tell him that you're up here in Capernaum under a palm tree. You know, John's already discouraged Jesus. And Jesus says to these guys, he says to them, here's what I want you to tell John. Tell him I am the one. Tell him about all the things that I'm doing for everyone else. Tell him about all the people I've healed, the lame who are walking, the blind who are seeing, the prisoners that are set free, figuratively. Tell John that he can believe in me. He can keep believing. Tell him to do so because of all the things that I'm doing for everyone else. And there's our life. The reason I tell you that is because when you're hanging out in Macaris in the desert and you're wondering where Jesus is, Jesus can still love you and Jesus can know exactly where you are and Jesus can know your name and not love you any less, and not be any less active in your life. If he did that for John the Baptist, the greatest man on the planet, he can absolutely be doing it right now in your life. Here's the amazing thing, and why I think like, the scriptures are so interesting. Right after these guys leave, Jesus says the most interesting thing. Look at this. Here's what he says. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. This is such a powerful statement. This is an admission of guilt, actually. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, blessed is the one that does not interpret my silence as my absence. Blessed is the one that when I do things or don't do things, don't answer certain prayers, don't come through the way you think I should, I don't speak, you know, I don't change circumstances. Blessed is the person who trusts me and believes in me and follows me in spite of my actions. Blessed is the person who continues to trust me even when I don't seem to be acting on their behalf. Just like John the Baptist. In other words, don't interpret God's silence as absence. Don't confuse God's apparent absence for apathy. This message isn't like an, oh man, I'm so glad you told me this, John, I feel so much better. You know, I think I don't even need to listen to the rest of this series. I'm so good to go now. No, (laughs) I get it. This doesn't feel great. I'm just hoping to create a new category for you, possibly a brand new category for you to understand that your unanswered prayer does not mean that God is uninterested. You and John the Baptist have something in common. You and some of the finest people who have ever walked the planet and some of the people that God has used in the most unique of ways, you have something in common. And God's silence is not evidence of absence. And his apparent absence is not a reflection of apathy. And how do we know that? Because of the story of John the Baptist and the story of other people down through history. There is a category where we feel abandoned and yet we are not abandoned. There there is a season of life where God seems silent and still, and he is neither. But I love these words and remember them. Blessed is he, blessed is she who does not stumble, who does not lose their faith on account of me. Jesus knew all about John and your heavenly father knows all about you. You can bank on it. Is there something that you are wrestling with today and wondering when or if God is going to show up? All I want you to do is realize that God has not left you. He's not apathetic towards you. His stillness does not mean he is not moving in your life. And then get in a circle and talk about this. And come back here next week for part two.